Well, good morning, and uh, let me begin by wishing Happy Father's Day to all you dads and granddads and great-great-granddads and future dads and spiritual fathers out there. Uh, let me begin by just telling you that today's message, it's for everyone, men and women, but with a very special attention to all you men out there. It's, today I'm going to talk about a wake-up call, a wake-up call, and it doesn't matter your age or your situation that you find yourself in in life right now. You know, Michael Jackson uh, sang a song called The Man in the Mirror, and the refrain went like this. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to change the world and want to make a better place, take a look at yourself and make a change. So how do you make that change? I mean, how do you start, how do you make, how do you, how's that heart change take place? How do you become all that God has created you to be? Because I can tell you that God has no intention of allowing you to live a meaningless life, all right? He's put you on this planet. He's put you in this world because he has a purpose and a plan for your life, and he wants you to fulfill it. So I'm hoping today that you will hear this message as a, well, like a call to destiny, a, uh, uh, a call to greatness, a call to your true purpose in this life. I look at, I know some of you have been following Jesus for a long, long time. Others of you are, well, you're kind of just getting started, and some of you out there are still kind of kicking the tires. But no matter where you are, I believe that God has something to say to each and every one of you. And I believe God wants to talk to all of us about an awakening. See, if you have your Bibles, would you grab them, open them up to Romans in chapter 13, and let me begin to read this to you. It's the Apostle Paul, and he says, he begins with, Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another, for he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. For this, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, so therefore, love is the fulfillment of law. But these next couple verses is what I want you to hold on to, because it's the theme for this message today. It's verses Romans 13, 11 through 12. Paul goes on, he goes, after just sharing what, what I just shared, he goes, so do this, knowing the time that it's already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone. The day is near. So therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Did you catch this? Did you see how it began there in verse 11? Do this. You know, what's he talking about? He says, just do this. Well, I think the next verse 12 says, he goes, look at the night's almost gone. The day is near. Therefore, lay aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. I think he's talking about us living a life of integrity. I think he's talking about being a commitment to being a godly man. Because he says, do this, understand the present time. He goes, look what's going on around you right now. You see, the ancient Greeks had two different words that they used for describing time. One of them is called Cronus, and the other was Kairos. Now see, Cronus, that's where we get the word chronology, okay? So Chronos time is just the passing of seconds into minutes, minutes into hours, 
hours into days, days into weeks, weeks into months. It's just one day after another, after another, after another. But in this passage, Paul uses the Kairos word. Now, can I tell you, the Kairos word is a very different way of time measurement. See, Kairos actually means it's a, it's, it's a limited period of time. It's a decisive moment in time where action has to be taken right in those moments. It's a limited window of opportunity. It's a critical moment in which history can be changed. So I want you to write down, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. A Kairos moment, it's a turning point that must be pressed through to achieve its God-intended purpose. See, a turning point is when you're headed in one direction, <laughs> then all of a sudden something happens like, like an event, uh, a person, a tragedy, uh, an opportunity, a decision. You were heading in this one direction over here, but then this came into your life, and now you're heading in a totally different direction. As an example of a turning point in life, you know, it's a Kairos moment would be getting married, having a child, maybe a change in career. It's a whole new direction. On a larger scale, a turning point for us, like in American history, would be, well, I guess most of us would think of the moon landing, uh, how about 9-11, right? That was a Kairos moment. Or what we're going through right now with COVID-19, the racial issues that are happening, where history is being reshaped and change. It's a Kairos moment. Well, you know, the greatest Cairo moment in history, of course, was the coming of Jesus, his death and resurrection, because, well, as we all know, that changed everything. Today could be a Kairos moment for you. So I want to talk to you today about an awakening. The Apostle Paul stated this, that it's already the hour, remember, he said, for you to be awakened from sleep. So I want to tell you a story about a man who slept through a Kairos moment. You know, and it's a story that you're probably going to remember from your childhood. A story of a man, do you remember Rip Van Winkle? <laughs> well, you know, one day, Rip, in his attempt to escape the pressures of life, in his attempt to avoid having to make some important decisions, Rip Van Winkle, he wanders up into the mountains and he lays down on a grassy knoll and he falls asleep. And you know the story, right? He falls asleep for 20 years. Well, when Rip Van Winkle falls asleep, King George III was the monarch over the American colonies. But when he woke 20 years later, George Washington was president of the United States. Why am I telling you this? What's the point? Well, I'm going to give you a few, if, if you're new to uh, Church at the Red Door or myself speaking, two or three times on message, I'll have something I call, don't miss this. All right. That's if you forget everything else I say, hang on to this. Well, here's the first, don't miss this. Rip Van Winkle slept through a revolution. The world around him changed and he wasn't even paying attention. He missed the whole thing. I listen, he dozed off in an attempt to escape an important decision. He, to, he, he fell asleep to escape the pressures of life. He missed an opportunity. I want you, this is important. He had, he'd missed the change that had just taken place. He was still, when, when he woke up 20 years later, he was still pledges his allegiance to a defeated power. The king wasn't even there anymore. He was looking for signs of the good old days, trying to make sense of, of, of this whole new world. And so he just went back to his lazy ways. So I got to ask you, is that you? Are you sleeping 
spiritually, unaware, maybe even apathetic to what God is doing in and around you in our world right now? Are you still maybe living under the dominion of a defeated power? Maybe living by old values, thinking in old ways, not even realizing that you have been set free by a new king. It's time for you to awaken. Can I encourage you to awaken from your slumber and join in what God is doing right now in the world? See, don't miss this. There's a call on your life. Man, let me say that again. There's a calling on your life. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1, 13 through 14, for he rescued us from the dominion of darkness. He transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Look at Jesus paid the price for our sins to free us, which means your sins are forgiven. You don't have to live under the weight of your past anymore. Look, I think this is probably the most important. Don't miss this. Your past has not ruined God's future for you. Oh, man. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say that again because some of you need to hear this because it doesn't matter your past, okay? It doesn't matter what happened. Your past has not ruined God's future for you. But you got to wake up. you got to step into what God has for you right now in the culture that we're living in. And, you know, as we read in Romans, remember, Paul kept saying, do this, knowing the time. He goes, do you know, you understand it? It's a Kairos time. That's already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. I believe that's why God's bringing here, he brought you here today to listen to this message. Because God is citing a revolution. Yes, he's citing a revolution. It's not a political revolution, okay? It's not a cultural revolution. It's a spiritual revolution. It's not a revolution that takes to the streets, okay? It's a revolution in the hearts of men where God is bringing freedom and purpose and destiny and calling to us for us to become the men that he's always intended for us to be, the way he created each and every one of us. The revolution, can I tell you? It's already underway. And you know what's at stake? It's your soul. Your eternal destiny is at stake. And listen, it's the spiritual health and the direction of your family and your kids. It's your legacy. You know, the revolution started over 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, okay? And he defeated the powers of death, sin, and hell. So friends, let me tell you, there's a new king, okay? And his name is Jesus. And with a new king comes a new kingdom and a new way of life, okay? And a new economy. There's a whole new set of values for all of us to live by. There's a new way of living, a new way of thinking about yourself. That's really important. A new way of thinking about God, about the world around you, about your family, about your purpose, about your return. It's a whole new way of doing things. As Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's like he said, look at it. He goes, it's close enough to, to touch, to get a grip on it. In Mark chapter 1, he goes, he just turns, he goes, repent and believe. The kingdom of God is it's at hand. Repent from what, from what you've been doing. Turn to this brand new direction. It's a Kairos moment. It's happening right now in our world. Today is the day. Oh, for you to wake up to what God is doing, 
to wake up to His truth, to wake up to God's power, to wake up to His love, to wake up to the full meaning and implications of the resurrection of His life and what it means in your life right now. That the fact that God has a purpose and plan, that this is the era, the time that you were meant to live, and He wants you to step into it. Let's look at Romans 13 again, but this time let's look at it in the message translation. It says, don't get so absorbed and exhausted and taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off. You're oblivious to God. The night's about over. The dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. You go, what's he doing? (laughs) He's calling you. This is what's happening. God is calling you to a deeper level and a deeper commitment to him. He's calling you to a higher level of integrity and accountability, not just with yourself, but with others as well. He's calling you to a broader, wider reach of your influence for his kingdom. He's calling you to be a man who lives by convictions and not by convenience. He's calling you to be the man who lives not just by your word, but but you live by your man of his word. So we're going to look at a Kairos moment right now that happened in the lives of God's people. And we're going to be looking at it in the Old Testament. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua 24. As we got, so let me a little prelude. Joshua, you know, had led the people into the promised land. And now Joshua has come to the end of his life. This is where we're joining the story today. And he's doing his farewell address, basically. And he's challenging everyone especially all the men, okay? He's challenging them to a more intensified commitment, to a renewed dedication, to integrity, to step up their commitment to God. He's challenging them not to just exist, but to fully possess the promised land that God is giving them. You see, the eternal truth here is that the church is only as strong as our commitment, the people's commitment to God. That's just how strong the church is. And for us today, To possess the land literally means to engage in and live out the fullness of life in Christ, no longer living by the world's standards, no more uh, living by the world's values, but living according to God's values, making a difference in the lives that are all around us, okay, around all of us, and for the kingdom of God. So this is what it says. You've got Bibles again, Joshua 15. This is powerful. He's, He's telling them, remember now, he's on his deathbed, and he says, look, If it's disagreeable to you in your sight to serve the Lord, well, choose for yourself today who you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you were living. But as for me, in my house, we will serve the Lord. I want you to notice four things about Joshua's challenge right there in verse 15. And I encourage you, write these down. The first thing, the choice was, the the calling, he says, this is intentional, okay? He says, choose for yourself who you're going to, choose for yourself who you're going to serve. You look at, nobody can choose for you. Your wife can't choose for you. Your parents can't choose for you. It's your choice, okay? You can't follow the Lord accidentally, all right? It must be an intentional decision choose for yourself 
whom you will serve. And the second thing you'll catch in that verse, the choice he's telling everybody, this is urgent. He says, choose for yourself this day. Did you catch that? Today, he said, right now. It's the Kairos moment, he says. This is it. This is your moment. Choose today to achieve what God's intended purpose is right now in this period of time. He didn't say, now look, let's just uh, talk about this. Why don't you go home, take a few days, talk about it with your wife, and then we'll come back and we'll see what we, you know, what you think. No, 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 no. He says, the time is now. Friends, the time is now. Men, the time is now. Choose this day. Who are you going to serve? Then the third thing, and I want you to notice, is that the choice is also unavoidable. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Because by intention or default, you're going to serve somebody. As Bob Dylan, he had it right in a song where it said, it might be the devil and it might be the Lord, but boy, you're going to have to serve somebody. Because you know why? Because you will. <laughs> it's inevitable. And the fourth thing that I wanted you to catch that Joshua shared, see the choice you're making, it's generational. As for me and my house. So let me tell you what he's saying. You know what else is at stake? It's your kids and it's your grandkids and it's your great grandkids' future. It's all at stake. Are you hearing me? You must take responsibility for your household, for the values that your family is going to grow up and live by, and for the God. What God are they going to worship? What God are they going to serve? See, look at Joshua told his people, look at, throw away those foreign gods, will you, will you, that are among you? Look in, in verse 15 again. He goes, choose for yourself today who that you're going to serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. And maybe you're going, well, okay, Paul, wait a minute, but how does that apply in, in, in my life today? Well, look at the gods of Egypt. Those are the gods of your past. Okay, that was their past. He's saying by worshiping old gods, you're holding on to your old values. <laughs> you're bringing old lifestyles. and You're bringing these old lifestyles back in again. You're carrying moments of your slavery, okay, into the future. Joshua says, you got to let go of all that stuff, okay? Get it out of your life. Look, at, i got to ask you this question. What enslaved you before you knew Jesus Christ? Stop for a second. What enslaved you? God's saying, walk away from it. <laughs> you know, don't bring it with you anymore. <laughs> Leave it behind you. Get rid of the gods of Egypt. And then he goes on. Remember, Joshua goes on. He goes, and, and, and get rid of the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. What's he talking? He's not the gods of the Amorites. It's the gods of our current culture right now. Okay? Those are the gods of the Amorites. He's saying, don't live by this value system of the world. <laughs> he goes, because if you do, you're going to pay a high price. Okay? You're going to pay a high price if you live according to the world's values. I mean, j just look at these next two verses. This is from Jonah 2.8. He says, those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. Then 2 Kings 17, 15, they followed worthless idols and themselves became, what? Worthless. So here's the question we have to ask. Am I holding on to something, you know, uh, 
either from my past or in the values, value system of the world that's causing me to forfeit the fullness of God's grace in, in my marriage, in my family, in my life, in my finances, in my business. Is there something, am I holding on to something that's keeping me from getting a grip on what God really wants to do in my life? See, God's called each of us into a whole new way of living. Look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, did you get that? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old's passed away. Behold, new things have come. Listen, he's just saying, look, anyone who belongs to Christ, you become a new person. <laughs> the old life is gone. The new life has begun. So I'm going to need to ask you some tough questions here. But I think they're questions we really need to ask ourselves. And we need to take a good, hard look at our lives. Now, you're the only person that can answer these questions. And these answers, you just keep them to yourself. It's between you and God, nobody else, okay? So here's the format of the question, and I'm going to walk down them. Are there any idols in your life right now that you're sacrificing to? For instance, are you sacrificing your family for the idol of success? Are you sacrificing your ethics for the idol of money or possessions? Are you sacri sacrificing decency for an idol of indecent entertainment? Are you sacrificing moral purity to an idol of an immoral relationship? Are you sacrificing God's highest good for you to idols of past memories right now? Lifestyles, you know, behaviors that you're just not willing yet to give up? Let me ask you, who's in charge of your life? Who are you living for? Are you living for yourself or are you living for a much higher purpose, actually for God himself? I want to encourage you, look, search your heart and look for anything that you're hanging on to that's keeping you from fully possessing the land, fully possessing the new life that God wants you to have in Jesus Christ. Look, at Joshua challenges all of us to a higher level of personal commitment and devotion when he says, as for me and my house. So he's speaking not just for himself. This is so important. He's speaking for his family. He's speaking for the entire household. He's making a decision and a commitment on their behalf. <laughs> and he's encouraging all the other men to do the same thing. He's saying, come on, step up, guys. <laughs> you know, take responsibility for the spiritual health and the well-being of your family. You can't delegate your family's spiritual destiny, okay? You can't delegate that to somebody else. That's got to be you. You got to ask yourself the question. When you're, so this is the question. You got to ask yourself this. When your kids or your grandchildren or your great-grandchildren, and they look at your life, and believe me, they do, do they think that God is essential or is he optional? You know, as I said when I started, you know, we're all coming at this from all different places in life. Some of you have been following the Lord for a long time. Some of you, you know, you're just getting started. Some of you may not even know where the heck to begin. But whether you're young or old, single or married, 
kids or no kids. My hope is that you're hearing me today, not as a judge, but as a friend who cares about you and a pastor who cares about this church, calling you to join me in a deeper commitment to be a godly man. Because this is my last don't miss this, and it's probably the biggest one of all morning. Don't miss this. If there's one thing this world desperately needs right now, it's more godly men. So I want to close by looking at our verse from Romans 13 one last time. Do this, knowing the time, the kairos moment, that it's already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep. For salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. And finally, you know, there's a famous childhood prayer we probably all heard. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Friends, if I should die before I wake, my prayer is that we will all wake before we die. Would you pray with me? So, Father, wake us all up to what you are doing in and around us in this world. This is a Kairos moment in history for all of your people. May our families proudly proclaim, for me and my house, we will serve Lord. Amen.